Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball and today's guests are Mike French and Paul Berman from The View From Here magazine. As well as running their literary journal, both Mike and Paul are novelists, reviewers, interviewers, family men and bloggers. Certainly I'm among peers today in the multitasking, both sides of the chair of role I play. So welcome Mike and Paul. Thanks very much. Hello. So um, we normally have just one guest, so I'll have to be quite careful about who I'm addressing questions to. Otherwise, we might get stereo responses. Okay. Paul, you do all the talking. My first question is, tell me why and how you started The View From Here. Um, the View From Here started um, <clears throat> back in um, about May 07, actually, and it just started off as a blog. In that, um, I'd written my novel. I was trying to um, get some presence there, blogging about my experiences of trying to get a publisher and stuff like that. And then um, I did that for about a year, got to know people like Paul and other bloggers and writers out there. And it just gradually became more and more um, less about me and how I was doing trying to get my Dandelion Tree book published, and more about other authors and interviews and book reviews. And it just got to the point where it seemed, hang on, the most natural thing seems to be to um, call this what it's becoming anyway and call it a literary magazine and go the whole hog and... Um, take off the blog side of it and fully focus on uh, author interviews, which people loved, and book reviews, and um, and that. So that's how it started. And how did you choose the crew? Um, they're, they're all bloggers. So I choose the crew from... So I spent about a year doing blogging, and uh, so I met Paul. Paul left, I think, a comment on my site once, and I commented back on his, and I kind of grew from that. But uh, basically, there's, there's so many bloggers out there, and to be honest, there's, there's a, an awful lot of rubbish. But if you know where to look, and you look long enough, there's some absolute brilliant quality stuff out there. Um, so that's how I got the crew. So for over a year, I was able to work out, okay, who are the people I really respect, who um, uh, they've got something interesting to say, they've got something to contribute that would help other writers, and then approach them and ask them to come on board the magazine. And um, every single one of them said yes. So... It's really um, taking what I thought was the cream of the bloggers that I come into contact, putting them into a magazine and trying to take them into a wider forum than just the blogging world. And, and are you surprised about how fast the community has grown? I am surprised. I was surprised that everybody said yes, um, and uh, I was surprised at how, how quickly the community and the magazine as well has gelled with all the different writers getting on together and everyone seems to be... Um, understanding of the person, haven't had any falling out in the crew or anything like that. It all seems to just be growing a dream. So every time I ask someone, they say yes, and they come in, do a fantastic job. So I've just been blown away by it so far. That's great. And um, any interesting anecdotes or unanticipated hiccups that you've had? Um, not really. Uh, probably the, the hardest thing is um, when we do our interviews and things, uh, we try not to just do the standard set questions that get mailed out. So we do a bit like you do for this show. You do your research, you read the book and stuff. So they actually put quite a lot of time front-end into doing an interview. Um, and occasionally they don't come back. 
which would be quite, quite frustrating. So you're doing a lot of work, and then you sort of chase it a few times, and then you think, okay, I just have to leave this. But 90% of them come back, so you just take the chance, and they've been really good. Yeah, and, and what about the overall literary thrust or genre? Do you, do you try and um, keep to a particular theme? That's a particular challenge for me because um, uh, I've probably Paul has a similar problem in that my, my uh, natural bias is towards literary fiction, but I don't really want The View From Here just to be about literary fiction. The idea is to be able to reach out to different writers and help them across all the different genres. Um, so we actually just changed our um, logo to show all the different genres in writing. But because of the way the team's built up, um, uh, Kathleen Mayer, who writes for the magazine, is quite literally bent as well. So it's trying to, um, within the team, there's a natural bias towards more literary fiction. Um, so it's trying to overcome that so that we can uh, have a bit more of a wider appeal. I don't know how, how you feel about that, Paul. Well, I, I think one of the things... One of the bonuses of, of, of being involved in something like this is the, the whole networking process. I mean, um, from my point of view, uh, and, and from a lot of writers, I suppose it can be very solitary. And one of the things that I've, I've loved is this, this whole process of, uh, of um, discovering a network of, of, of writers. Now, I think that's also one of the things that is going gonna, is gonna to really help the view from here, uh, in as much as... The more you network and, 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 and the more you um, you open your, yourself to other people's ideas, uh, the, the broader uh, the scope becomes. Um, initially, I, was, I certainly found myself approaching um, uh, writers um, who had similar ideas, but gradually I'm finding that um, I'm coming across, um, you know, in um, in a way that enables me to sort of have the sorts of discussions that we want, a, a much broader range of, of, of writers, which is tremendous. I love it because it's, um, it, it enriches, it feeds back in, into your own writing. Um, the, other, the other day, for instance, I, was, uh, I had a, an opportunity to, um, to work with a, a, a memoirist, uh, and um, that's, that's an area that I haven't really sort of uh, worked with before, and I think all of this is, is sort of flowing... And, and, and coming to happen because one thing leads on to another, leads on to another, leads on to another. So it'll happen. I think it'll just um, the, the approach will get broader and broader. And I guess that's one of the exciting things about working in such a, a sort of global, real-time environment. Everything begins to morph in its own way. Yeah, it's excellent. It's, it's, it is very exciting. <laughs> um, I, if, if someone had sort of said to me a year ago, look, this is going to be happening, I'd have probably said, yeah, sure. Um, but it, but it, you know, this, um, it has. There's a sort of a, a, a dynamic to, to it. Um, and uh, you, you go with the flow, sometimes a bit scary. And, and I know when, when Mike said, look, do you want to be part of this? Um, I, I thought, oh, no, I can't. Um, but then I thought, well, I want to. <laughs> so do it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's, it's tremendous. That's great. And, and as editors, what, what do you look for when people submit to you? This is for all those writers out there. <laughs> I think that's a question for Mike because he does most of the editing. What we're actually doing at the moment is we don't um, accept fiction or poetry or stuff, submissions like that. What we're concentrating on instead is trying to get people um, to send us um, their experiences of being a writer. 
through either their pearls of wisdom or their experiences they've had trying to get their novel published with agents and publishers and stuff. And then the idea is that that you know if someone can write a, a good, interesting article that would grab people with a link to their own work and stuff, then trying to use that to promote them rather than just putting the piece of fiction in. Because I'm aware there's an awful lot of magazines and stuff that sort of serve that function of somewhere where someone to get their, their stuff published. Um, so I'm trying to find a slightly different niche where um, there's somewhere where someone can write an article about their experiences about how they tried 20 agents or whatever, um, so that there can be some sort of bonding on the view from here where people can relate to each other, understand that everyone's kind of in the same boat. It's not They're not the only one that's been struggling for years and years. And so that's what I would look for if someone was submitting something that would be able to um, strike a chord with um, a lot of the readership of the view from here, which is writers that are trying to make it, that it's written well, that it's um, it's fairly snappy. So that's, that's the kind of material we're looking for. Mm. Now, just for um, people out there who may not have seen the current issue, mm. and I'd like to get onto your work as well shortly, but can you just give me a little bit of uh, a taster of what's in the current issue? Okay, well, I'll give you a taste of uh, the next issue's Issues, issue three comes out on Friday. Well, it, it will do once I finish burning the midnight oil to get it finished. Um, so issue three will have, uh, we've got an interview with Julian Barnes in there, which is quite interesting. Um, and we've got um, Catherine uh, Mayer does uh, original short fiction for us. Solidly every week she bashes it in. She sets up a challenge where she does a little short story under 500 words. And it's really excellent. So it has about three or four of her stories in there. Um, and then it has um, articles from, we have someone called Stella Carter. She is excellent at just doing um, quite, quite witty um, advice to writers, just the writing world, helping people um, with various things. So there's a bit of that in there. There's some book reviews. So um, Slaughterhouse Five is in there this, this month, Paul, you'll like that. Um, and a uh, bit, of, bit of news. So we've, we've recently took on someone called Jen um, Person, who is excellent. She's taken over the news section of the site. Um, so she's been getting quotes from people from the view from here and really getting, and enjoying getting her journalist hat on, I think. So there's all that section in the magazine as well. So you've got a mixture of articles, author interviews, news, inspiration, book reviews. So we, we try to give a good mix so that we're, we're covering most bases. That, that's wonderful. And did you say Julian Barnes? <laughs> yes, um, uh, I was quite surprised by that. So you, the way we, uh, I approach authors for interviews is uh, I try and stay away from emails and electronic stuff and send them, uh, uh, send them out a, a letter asking them whether they would be prepared to be interviewed on The View from here. Um, and some of these times you send these things off and you think, yeah, you know, no chance, they're not going to respond to that. Um, you know, someone like Julian Barnes, who's quite famous, um, but he did within the week, so yeah, I've been quite surprised, actually. There's been others like uh, Paul Dorday from Salmon Fishing in Yemen um, and James Meek, uh, other people that have, we've interviewed. Um, so I, I guess it's a case of you don't, you, know, you never know who you ask, so it's worth asking, and sometimes, and quite often at the moment, you end up surprised, which is, which is a real long, actually. To, it's like interviewing your heroes. <laughs> so the, the trick I find That's is right. not becoming too... Yeah, all inspired and uh, sort of try and interview them in a way that you're not some groupie or something. Yeah, you've got to close your mouth at some point. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know Ju- Julian's sort of my hero, so I, I can imagine being quite nervous interviewing him. Yes, he he was. Um, we we do most of our uh, interviews via email, um, just to make it as easy as possible for people to say yes. Um, but and then we sort of do to and fro a few times to make it as natural as possible. And Julian was very good actually, so he sent his answers off. I sent him a few more questions um, for further clarification. And he, when you read it, he's, he's very um, relaxed and chatty, and it comes over very friendly actually, which is which is nice. Doesn't come over aloof or. Um, which is nice because it makes it easy to read. Um, it helps reach out to the readership so they can they can relate to what you're saying. Well, people, people out there, you won't want to miss that. No. <laughs> so that's, that's the discount. I'm just going to give a link to the website, www.viewfromheremagazine.com. That's it. Okay. And then, All right, we... now, I'd like to just... To talk to you a bit about your own writing. Yes. I'll begin with a question for both of you. You've been writing your whole lives, but really, in terms of uh, a novel, um, the time is now. Has something clicked? Do you feel you've reached a key point in your life when writing is coming to the fore? Paul, I'll let you go on that one. Okay, thanks. Um, in terms of look, in terms of my writing, um, and re- I'm reaching the, reaching the sort of maturation, I suppose. I think there, w- there was a point at which which um, everything began to to work, and that was after I sent my uh, I think it was third or fourth manuscript to to a manuscript appraisal uh, service, and um, it got, I forked out a few hundred dollars and and. And it, it came back, and, and they absolutely shredded it, um, tore it apart. Um, and it was it was a great experience because um, they actually told me what wasn't working uh, and what should have been in there. And, and you know, what's the the initial um, temptation is to say, no, no, that you've got it wrong. Uh, there's not much point in forking out a fair amount of money and then ignoring it. So so it's a it, it, it's a salutary process. Um, and um, I, I used that basically with the advice as a template when I reworked the, the manuscript and then went on to the next one and, and, and the next one. Um, and uh, it found that it made a massive difference. I suppose one of the, you know, the, one of the values of, of a manuscript appraisal service for me was is that when I was going through a university, we did, there weren't creative writing courses. Um, if there had been, I'd, I would possibly have... Um, enrolled in one of those, but in the absence of that, there's, there's very little feedback coming back and, and saying, look, this is this is working well, this isn't working well. Um, with the two manuscripts after that, I sent them both off to, um, to, manuscript, to, to manuscript appraisal services, to different ones. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure that I was going to go back to the first one it came. Um, and um, the advice again. They came back, and there was there were much more positive. Again, there were there were areas, there were suggestions which um, I found really helpful and, and, and that I needed to work on. And, and but there were there were a lot of other comments saying, "Look, you're doing this right. You're doing this right. You're doing this right. Just tweak here and tweak there." So in terms of in terms of um, reaching that point and having something click, um, it was it was certainly that point in in my in my writing. Um, Career. I think that's probably the wrong word, but yes, <laughs> in the process of writing. And and I should say congratulations too. 
Thank you. Thanks. Yes, it was out uh, first uh, 30th of August, so it all feels very sort of fresh and new. And I, there's a copy of the book, um, and I, every now and then I just go up and prod it. Make sure it's still there, but it hasn't been. <laughs> Can you, since you're on, and I'll I'll talk to you, Mike, in a bit a bit about the dent lion tree. But while you're on, Paul. Can you read us a little excerpt from The Snowing and Greening of Thomas Passmore? Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll read the opening. A car blossoms into flower 20 meters ahead. Petals of twisted metal in orange and red unfold towards the memory of a distant sun, and green doors sprout out across the road. Winter one moment, and spring the miraculous next. Then back to winter. Sleep, let me sleep. Let me drift with the flow of a rising tide. My lips are shredded paper bark, glued tight with dried blood and resin. Hush. My swollen eyelids are sealed with sand and salt to shut the blinding brightness out. Keep out. Sealed tight against a storm of raining glass, shards of ice, the rending of metal. Sealed tight against a winter morning torn asunder, the hail of blood and bone, a day disemboweled. Something has happened, sometime, somewhere. But these lips, these eyes, are sealed by resin, sand, and salt, glued shut. Hush, just let me be and let me sleep. Forget the banks of blood and bone. And that's the opening of a couple of paragraphs. Mm. And it's so lyrical. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> tell, tell, tell us a little bit about the book. Um, it's a, it's about um, a man, Thomas Passmore, who is. Um, haunted by uh, his father's suicide, um, which, is a, which is a layer of mystery, if you want, running throughout the text. And um, his, his mother's hostility or rejection um, to him. And also with the sense that um, uh, there's an element of romance as well. He, he, he's very much a person um, who finds it difficult to let go of the past. Um, and what he's trying to do is, is, or what he has to do, is to find a way of reconciling who he is um, in terms of where he's come from, um, his place in, in time with the far distant past, his more recent past, and, and a sense of actually having to learn to live in the present. So it, it, it's very much a, a, a story about uh, Loss and, and, and love and, and learning to live, um, but something happens when he goes when he when he when he returns to, to to visit his sick mother. Something strange happens, and it throws the whole mix of of um, experiences up, and he, he he basically has to confront those uh, if he's going to survive. And it's so there's a layer of mysteries, a layer of romance, and and um, hopefully um, uh, a, a, a sense of of somebody having to, to, to come to terms with, with themselves and with their past. Mm. That's, I'm certainly intrigued. <laughs> Good. <laughs> where, where can readers get hold of a copy? Um, it's, it's released by Paper Books in the UK. Um, uh, and uh, so it's, it's either available from um, Paper Books Online, which is www.paperbooks.co.uk, or um, certainly amazon.co.uk and well, the Amazons generally. Um, and we're looking at, at the moment um, at uh, overseas distribution. Um, but uh, that's, that's something that the publisher is working through at the moment, I believe. 
Now, um, I'd love to talk to you about this more, um, but I do want to get on to Mike. But one, just one quick question. Have you struggled at all yet, and I know it's early days, with being able to promote the book um, from within Australia or in other parts of the world? Um, I think that it comes back to that whole sort of networking thing again. I mean, the, 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 the biggest struggle is actually finding the hours. They were doing a, you know, a full-time job and, and then finding the hours to... Um, do all the, all the promotion. The biggest, the, the biggest difficulty possibly was when it was launched and feeling so far away and not actually hearing that the shops were open, not actually seeing any any books on the shelves. But I was very lucky because some of the some of the wonderful uh, friends that I made over uh, through the blog and uh, and and relations and friends in the UK were posting photos. We're taking photos and and and. Um, uh, Putting them up on their posts and, and sending the emails with, with, with pictures, um, so that sort of helped deal with that. But in terms of actually promoting it, um, people seem to sort of dive in and, and, and help tremendously. That's one of the ways that I got to to to, to know Mike. And I think I was possibly his first interview, um, and uh, he has um, done a lot of work in in putting the putting the book up there and and and, and giving it. Um, a place next to you know, Julian Barnes's books and 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 and, and um, uh, salmon fishing in Yemen and and, and the whole range. So um, your colleague, yes, yeah, wonderful. <laughs> I'm very fortunate. That's great. All right, Mike, tell me about the dandelion tree. Um, the dandelion tree is uh, is something. I, actually, I have to hold my hand up here and admit that uh, when you say that we've both been writing our lives. Um, I've actually only been writing for about five years, so uh, it's, a, it's a recent click for me um, in that it's, um, it was about five years ago. I, just, I, I had this um, desire, this urge, this, this drive to start writing, which I thought was ridiculous. Um, but after a while, I, I got fed up with this sort of niggling feeling that actually I should be starting to write something and just got on with it. And then sort of, it was one of those things you stumble into, you think, oh my gosh, I, I actually really enjoy this. And um, So my initial concern was, is this any good? Um, so I did a little bit similar to Paul, and I sent it off to um, literary consultancies to have a look at it and give me feedback. Because um, obviously my mum loved it, um, and as much as I loved my mum, you can never quite go on their judgment on, on their own son's work. But um, they, they said back to me that it was good, and we worked through that with a, with a literary consultancy, and they helped me um, knock it into shape and told me about self-editing and um, show, don't tell, and all this kind of stuff. And I reworked it quite a few times, um, and uh, I really loved the whole process, just uh, blown away, really, by the whole process of writing, just so enjoyable, and just entering into that world where... Um, as a writer, almost you want to know how the book, you know how the book finishes, but you want to see how it plays out. It's just amazing. Um, so I, I finished that, um, and it's basically it's a book about a guy who he's had a lot of despair in his life. His, his, most of his family have died, but he's suppressed it all in order to survive. He suppressed the memories of that. Um, and it's all about one snapshot in his day, like a 24-period uh, period where um, all those memories that he sort of suppressed all come up and kind of assault him. Um, and they, because they all come up at once, he almost heads into a breakdown where he can't cope with suddenly having all these horrible memories um, alive in his head. So it tracks how, in the space of a day, he has, how dysfunctional he becomes and then how he copes with that and his way out of that. Um, 
but I just loved it. So, and then after that, it was kind of then a whole fast-track learning curve for me of, okay, what happens once you've written a book? So I had to learn about how to submit to agents and publishers in the right way and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I, <clears throat> when I started, I read somewhere that you have to be prepared to plug away at these things and keep going and be fairly stubborn. And uh, they were absolutely right because uh, it, it's, it's something that you just have to keep. You just have to believe, believe in your product, really, and believe that you can do it. Um, and just keep going. So at the moment, I'm still trying to find uh, a home for the dandelion tree. Um, but at the moment, I've kind of... Um, the book's finished. And I'm kind of, rather than hard driving, trying to find an agent and publisher, I've sort of taken a step back and just keep my eyes open for any new publishers and things that might like it. And really, uh, probably about 90% of my effort now goes into the view from here and working that and getting it up and running. Um, until such point where novel two, which is fizzling away in the back of my head, I decide, okay, sit down and write this one and see where that goes. So can we have just a tiny little bit from the dandelion tree, a taste of it? I know you were going to ask me that. When Paul started reading his ads, like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I haven't actually got it in front of me. I'm, I'm really sorry. That's okay. That's, okay. That's all right. <laughs> We've only got five minutes left anyway. So. Well, there you go. <laughs> and I've got to give you the opportunity to say your words. So. Oh, yes. Paul, do you know about this? What Jane's been putting on uh, the view from here? Sorry, no, no. No, you don't. Uh, well, right. Apparently, you can read a sign from the Tank Engine DVD. If you can. Oh, that's right. Yeah. This is anti disestablishmentarianism. No, that's mine. That's yours, isn't it? Well, you'll have to say mine then. Okay, yours is uh, Noddy in AK 47. And mine's big ears, right. so I'll take all the prizes then, Paul. Yeah. I was going to say to you, just talk to me for a minute about the political position forwarded by Payne and Tuppen that originated in 19th century Britain to remove the Church of England status as state Church of England. And, and, and how Noddy would have, have reacted to this. Uh, yes, and whether you think that the AK-47 is superior to the Colt AR-15. That's right. <laughs> But I, Sorry, you completely threw me when you said that that had gone, that had gone out of my mind, which is, which is why I don't win competitions. I think you've well and truly won that one. <laughs> now, let me ask you a real question. Um, a big question. What, what do both of you, and you can take turns answering, um, see in the next five years on the literary front for yourself? And for the view from here. Go for you, you kick it off. Well, for, for myself, um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough with with, um, with paper books to have um, a three book deal. So my my first um, objective is to get number two out and and would get it as polished as I want it to be because that's it's due for release in the second half of, of next year. Um, and then I'm I'm looking to try and get some some time off work, uh, off paid work next year, so that I can. Um, Pursue number three and, 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 and get that through. In terms of the view from here, um, I'm, I'm, I'm finding that I, I'm enjoying more and more um, interviewing uh, authors or any, anybody to do with the, with the literary scene. Um, uh, I was invited to um, be a part of a, a book fair at the, the weekend and to uh, um, interview a writer, which I was very nervous about, and I was delighted that he was very nervous about it as well. Um, but it, it, it's an area that I, I really enjoy, and I, I um, would never have thought a couple of years ago that uh, I would get 
such a buzz out of doing that. But uh, I think possibly in the next yeah, in the next couple of years, that's an area that I would like to pursue. Wonderful, Mike. Um, for me, on the uh, similar to Paul, I'm um, I'm I'm a bit blown away about the whole view from here. Saying that if you'd asked me again, sort of like similar to Paul a year ago, would this exist? I would have thought no. So I'm really surprised at how fast it's picked up. Um, I think sort of projecting it forward, what I'd, what I'd love to see would it would be to see it go more mainstream. So I think we've got everything in place. We've got quality writers, we're getting good interviews. It, it has a printed version. It's got everything there, but because there's not much funding behind it, we haven't got any PR or marketing that we can do. So it's really just trying to get it so that it, it's away from just a, a, a quality but niche um, product into something that's more widely available that we can get this kind of stuff out to people that would benefit from uh, reading it. I think that's a challenge for me because a, a lot of I think a lot of writers would submit articles to magazines like uh, fiction and stuff, um, which is great. But they they like Paul was talking about if you can get a writer, especially a new writer, into an atmosphere where they can talk to their peers, where they can learn from each other, where they feel like isolated, then you're helping that person become a better writer. So it's almost trying to get people to see that there's more than just sending off your, you know, your piece of fiction to a magazine. There's so much more that can be offered to you um, in terms of improving you as a writer, just from um, interacting and rubbing up against other people. So trying to get that kind of culture um, going and then getting that out. As far as my own writing goes, I think um, naively I went into this thinking, I write a fantastic book, it will get published, and that will be it. Of course, when you do all these interviews with authors, it's, it's rarely the case that their first book gets picked up, and it's, it's uh, normally book five or book ten that, get put, that gets picked up. So I think for me, um, I've gone through the process of learning how to write, getting enthused about it, learning about how to get it out there, um, and then taking a step back, and then... Um, writing book two, writing book three, and just just learning my craft, getting better and better at it, um, and just doing it for the love of it until at some point, hopefully, it clicks into place with a publisher somewhere. So, um, so it's always uh, I don't know what you're like, Paul. You're saying trying to get some time off for writing your next novel, but it's such a big step saying, okay, I'm going to write a whole novel. It's like I'm kind of almost holding my breath, think, just wait, just wait, just wait. Um, but at some point, I'll sort of jump in and get going with book two. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, wonderful. Well, I, I'm sure the view from here will continue to grow, and uh, I know there'll be good things for both of you, literary-wise. Um, and that's all we have time for. Thanks, so, Thanks very much, Maggie. Thank you very much. Our next show will bring together two of Australia's leading poets, Joel Bean, author of, among other things, Magisterium, and Karen Knight, author of, among other things as well, Postcards from the Asylum. And neither Joel nor Karen are known for being shy or moderate in their views. So um, both are quite political and uh, both very vocal and outspoken. So I expect it to be a feisty and interesting session. Don't miss it. Thank you, everybody. And thanks again, guys. Thanks, Maggie. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.